Joe and Amber, the podcast. A Joe Fortenballis, Joe and Amber tonight, but Michael Rothstein, nice enough to fill in tonight for Joe. Michael, did you have a MySpace page? I did have a MySpace page. I had a Friendster page. Oh, wow. Oh, well, I'm old, Amber Wilson. That's just the answer when We're I was at the same age. I don't think we are, but page, oh, I, I definitely had a Friendster account in college. I, I yeah, I've, uh, yes. Hopefully I, they're I, buried, right? Very, very I, I don't, very I don't, away. I do not know. Do not know. I I, <laughs> I, I could know, not tell wanna, you. Don't want to find out. <laughs> I, I do not know. I, I heard the, the top of that, and you know, I, I I could not tell you. But now I can probably tell you that I may go down rabbit holes tonight. I, does Friendster still exist? I don't. Is that know something that, that exists in the world? I didn't think MySpace still existed until we had that conversation on air. So I have no idea. I'm clearly not up to date on these things. But I haven't heard anybody mention Friendster in so long. I have a hard time believing that it still exists, although I don't know if, if anything's ever I, really gone on the I, internet, right? Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. By the way, our producer tonight, Harry Black, is probably like, what is Friendster? Yeah, well, I, I don't, Harry I, I was, Cam. I was not born then. <laughs> Way I am too not young. that much younger than you guys. Yes, I know what Friendster is. I know what Napster is. I know what LimeWire oh, is. Spoiler alert. Wait, what was the last one? LimeWire. Lime oh, I remember LimeWire. <laughs> Where you would give your it. computer like a fatal virus just to get the latest <laughs> Blink-182 song. It's so true. Uh, those, Eve those 6, my friend. Eve those 6. were the days. We are having some days this week as well because the madness of March is upon us. And boy, did we get some madness last night. It's time for the Boost Mobile Tournament preview, at least in two of the games we got some madness last night and I'd say it's madness that FAU is also on their way to an elite eight so there's madness all around maybe it's madness that UConn was as dominant as UConn was but there was two games that came down to the wire last night if you haven't heard these final calls yet allow me because this is part of March Madness that I adore Gonzaga beats UCLA in a thriller 79 to 76 these two schools traded double digit leads back and forth Gonzaga ends up winning this one this call courtesy of our friends at Westwood One NCAA Radio Network Hawkins will throw it in Nuba makes the catch off the Campbell puts it up with the buzzer no and Gonzaga wins the Gonzaga Bulldogs are elite again Gonzaga comes back from 13 down they beat UCLA 79-76 and the Gonzaga Bulldogs on to the elite eight not the first time we've heard that story, Michael, but a thriller of a game. It really was. Listen, it's wild because you had two games last night that you could say were the games of the tournament so far, and you could put probably the FAU game in there in maybe the top five. Mm-hmm. It was just an excellent – if you like basketball, which I do, and I, I adore college basketball. I covered the tournament last weekend in Albany where I saw Miami, who's playing later tonight. I saw UConn, the one team that had a blowout last night. And I can tell you this, Amber, that that was one of the best overall nights of basketball that I think I have seen in a at least a decade. It was really? maybe since that maybe since gonna... that last Gonzaga UCLA game when Adam Morrison, you know, was crying on the court. Yeah. Like that's how good I think it was last wow. night. From top to bottom, you had three very good games and a team that might be the second favorite to now to win the national title besides Alabama who is playing and up early on San Diego State right now. 
Yes. Well, let's before we get to tonight's games, let's go ahead and continue to reminisce because I agree with you. It was a heck of a night for college basketball. K-State ends up beating Michigan State 98 to 93. This was an overtime. This call courtesy of Westwood One NCAA Radio Network. Akins has it. 12 seconds to go. Looking around. Gets it in bounds. Walker. Walker jumps it out to Hauser. Goes right wing to Hall. Eight seconds. Out to Walker. Walker tries to force one up. It's stripped by Noel, who gets the basketball first. Noel drives in, lays it up, and it goes in at the buzzer. And Kansas State has advanced to the Elite Eight. You mentioned Florida Atlantic there. I have a soft spot in my heart for FAU because I lived in South Florida for 20 years and at one point quite near FAU. They've never been in this position as a school. Here is Florida Atlantic beating Tennessee 62-55 to thanks to our friends at Westwood One NCAA Radio Network. Two seconds, one second, and that's it. The Florida Atlantic Owls, who had never won an NCAA tournament game before this season, have won three in the tournament now. They are heading to the Elite Eight for a date with Kansas State on Saturday. The remarkable year for Dusty May and Florida Atlantic continues. Their 34th win of the season. That is a hell of a story, Michael, that you haven't won a single NCAA tournament game ever in program history, and now out of the gate, you're going to an Elite Eight. Without question, but here's the interesting thing, Amber, when we're talking about Florida Atlantic. Dusty May is an excellent coach. Dusty May, I think, may have a decision to make here, if not this offseason, but maybe next, which is, do I stay at FAU and maybe try to do what Mark Few has done at Gonzaga, what Randy Bennett's done at St. Mary's, what a whole litany of coaches had done at Butler, most most notably Thad Mata and Brad Stevens. Or do I go to a major program? Because FAU, and you know this having lived in South Florida, has a ton of talent, a ton of basketball talent in that state. And if you can become the second best program in that state, okay, you've got a shot. And plus, don't forget, they're moving up in conference next year as well, going to the American. Second best program in that state. That hurts my heart as a Florida Gator because I think that reference there was right now maybe to the Miami Hurricanes. uh, Yes, very much so. Yes, uh, considering. uh, And also considering what the Miami Hurricanes are doing on the women's side. We'll get to the women's tournament at some point in tonight's show as well. Michael Rostein filling in for Joe Fortenbaugh tonight. It's funny because Dusty May is making more in bonuses this season than he makes in salary. He makes something like a half a million odd bucks in salary, I believe. He's making significantly more than that in bonuses because he had a sweet 16 clause in his contract. He probably has an elite eight clause in his contract. I'm not clear on that, but I know he had a sweet 16 clause in his contract. And what's funny about that report is I would imagine when FAU's handing him that contract as head coach, like, sure, we'll put a sweet 16 clause into that thing thinking that he'll never hit it because the Owls never can even win an NCAA tournament game. And here they are paying him all kinds of money. Money well spent, though, because so far FAU's on its way. Yeah, I I was going to say, I don't think they're complaining for a second because they get more units. That helps the entirety of that conference when you're talking about how the money is given up, divvied up in the NCAA shares. So it's a win for everybody. And, and Amber, you know this, having been around sports and especially college sports for a long time. 
A run like this can significantly impact your university both in attention and enrollment. You talk to people around Butler. You talk to people around Gonzaga. You talk to people. I remember when I went to Syracuse, they were making runs the year after that. They win the national title with Carmelo Anthony. Enrollment goes up after that. The, the quality of students, because all of a sudden people are hearing about this school and are like, oh, wait, that could be really fun to go see. And I'm sure you saw it when you were in Gainesville with Florida mm-hmm. when they were on that run in the mid-aughts. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was wild. It the aughts I think so. Yeah, I'm, ca- I'm calling it that. I feel but good that, about it. Uh, I so like do I. I like aughts. Aughts yeah. sounds nice. It sounds regal. <laughs> Switch to Boost Mobile <laughs> for the power to save on one of America's largest 5G networks. So we are in the midst of action right now for tonight's game. We will be keeping you updated on the action as the night rolls on here on Joe and Amber. San Diego State up right now on Alabama 21 to 19. Also, we will get some help. Don't worry, Joe's not here, but we will still get some help, bring in some help for the betting advice, so we will still be fulfilling our duty in terms of that. Coming up next, though, we're going to give you the latest on Lamar Jackson's contract negotiations. Joe and Amber is on ESPN Radio, also on the ESPN app. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature 8-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the Joe and Amber Podcast. Things are weird on the Lamar Jackson front. I don't know if there's any other way to describe it than weird. Joe and Amber's on ESPN Radio. All you have to do is tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. It is that simple. Right, well, Ralstein filling in for Joe Fortenbaugh tonight. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. So Lamar Jackson, he got hit with a non-exclusive tag. We all know that story by now. We are well into the period where teams could be making him offer sheets. We haven't heard any word on that. We don't know where negotiations are with him and with the Ravens, nevertheless, with anybody else. But it feels like there's no movement on this front. Now, one of the reasons that we have no idea what's going on is because Lamar Jackson doesn't have an agent. And so it's him and whoever his advisors are. Maybe his mother, I believe, is involved as well. And it's a very tight-knit group. 
they're probably not leaking much to the press. So we don't have much of an idea of what's happening other than probably some leaks maybe coming from teams, and nobody seems to be leaking that they're handing him an offer sheet. But things well, have gotten weirder, Michael. Yeah. Things have gotten have. weirder because Lamar keeps going on social media, and now he's, like, posting, and he's posting cryptic things, and he's saying, I am the storm seven hours ago with a bunch of tornado emojis and lightning emojis. He also had tweeted out, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Like, these are the things that he's doing on social media. And I don't know who he's subtweeting. It feels like, I guess, maybe the Ravens, maybe the entire NFL. It's a weird kind of strange situation at this point. It it is. I, I don't think it's that unlike what we've seen from him throughout uh, his career. However, there, there's so many layers of nuance to this, Amber, but it comes down to one thing for me, because, and you heard it in the rejoin of, oh, guaranteed contract would solve the, or, or an agent would solve the problem with the guaranteed contract. Maybe, but the reality is that that guaranteed contract from Deshaun Watson, if the money is to believe to be correct of what Lamar Jackson wants, is it's the, it's proving more and more to be an outlier contract in the league than a baseline. Like, the Cleveland Browns just made a bad deal, and we saw it on the field and off. Bad deal for the Browns, and teams are kind of overcorrecting and say, or correcting or overcorrecting and saying, no, we don't want to go down that road, especially with a player who, as talented and as special as he may be, also has not finished the last two seasons, has missed a lot of games the last two years. And that's concerning if you're putting that much money into a player like Lamar Jackson, if you don't have severe confidence and conviction that he is going to be available for you if you're going to basically make him uh, the highest paid player in the history of the league. Yeah, it's funny because I think we all think Lamar is a great player. He obviously has an MVP. He plays the most important position. He's unbelievable in doing so, and he's got the resume over the last five years, and he has a playoff win. He has all of that. He also, like you said, has the injury history. It's the style he plays is maybe a little concerning moving forward, and he's asking for the most money, we think, anyways, in NFL history. And so there's all these people out here that are like, pay that man you're disrespecting Lamar, except for I imagine that conversation's a little different if it's actually your money and you actually own the team and it's a salary cap <laughs> sport and you're the one being required to put $300 million into an escrow account immediately upon him signing. It's probably a little different when you're the person having to do that in that situation. Nevertheless, this idea that he needs an agent I think is more complicated than maybe we give it credit for. I am typically one who's a huge proponent of guys when they come into the league not needing an agent. Agent. On a rookie deal, the way the CBA is structured, the way these contracts are these days, I mean, you know this as well as I do, it's boilerplate language. There's not much room for negotiation when you're getting drafted and you're a rook. It ain't happening. And so really all you need is a lawyer to make sure that they're not screwing you, to make sure that the language in it is okay and that you yeah. understand what you're signing. You can pay a lawyer hourly. You're not going to pay a lawyer and give them 3% of your salary. And so maybe that's the move. I'm a proponent of that. I end up stopping that advocacy for that model when you are you know Lamar Jackson and asking for the most money in NFL history at least again I think that's what he's asking for and that in the most guaranteed money that we will have ever seen in NFL history that seems like the unique situation 
where an agent, somebody who does this for a living, who has all the connections around the league, who knows how these negotiations go, it seems like at that point that maybe could be helpful. And also that middleman, because what ends up happening here is when you don't have a middleman, feelings can get involved. Michael, where the Baltimore Ravens are saying to you, no, we don't want to pay you because X, Y, Z. And then it's like, it it sounds like an assault to your, to you or your ability or your character, your ability to stay healthy or whatever it is. And you take it personally. And the next thing you know, you're tweeting out, I am the storm. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of things there too, right? Because right now I would argue that Lamar Jackson with a little hint of Aaron Rodgers on the side are the storms of the NFL because they're the two most unanswered questions of what's going to happen with them. So he's not incorrect in saying he's the storm. It's just one that seems to maybe be in the eye right now because there's not a lot of movement. And part of that, Amber, is because the reality of this when you're talking about Lamar Jackson and the non-exclusive franchise tag is there are teams in the NFL who don't want to do the Baltimore Ravens work for them. And that's so much of what this is. Because unless you offer him such a massive deal with poison pills in the contract that make it not palatable at all for the Ravens to take it, the chances are the Ravens will just match whatever it is Mm -hmm. and still have Lamar Jackson. I mean, that's really what this has been, is the Ravens are saying, listen, you don't like what we're offering? Go find something better. Otherwise, you're going to have to come back and and play for us. So if you're a team that is quarterback needy, why would you want to go do that? Because all of a sudden, then you're putting yourself in a position, if you do need a quarterback, like say the, let's just for argument's sake, say the Raiders had done this, and then you do all this negotiation, other guys sign elsewhere, and then the Ravens are just like, oh, no, we're matching. Well, then you're you're in real trouble. Like, that's right. part of this, too. Right. Well, and I do think, I think that there is this idea of we don't want to bother because the Ravens are going to match, and right. so why are we bothering to get involved? And there's probably around the league an idea that we also don't want to pay him that, and he's not going to want to come here unless we are paying him what he is essentially asking Baltimore for. But I do think that this idea that no one has offered him an offer sheet is a little bit interesting because like, why not run up the price tag on the Ravens ultimately? Like I'm surprised nobody's like even tried, you know, like what does it, what does it matter at the end of the day? As long as that's, you're not putting all your eggs in that basket and you're not necessarily banking on it. Why not take a run on a 26 year old quarterback with an MVP. And so I do think that it's interesting that nobody seems to be part of that conversation. But again, we wouldn't really know because we're not getting the the usual leaks that we'd be getting. It feels right, like but, in this situation. Yeah. Well, but here's the thing. If you're going to put not, if you're going to go down that road with him, you're kind of putting all of your eggs in that basket, unless you are the Texans, the Colts or uh, the Panthers. Uh, like that's it because you're probably going to draft a quarterback. Otherwise, if you're going down that road, if you're the Jets, the Raiders, other teams that were never going to go down that road, like the team I cover, the Falcons, like you're putting yourself in a really tough spot because of your draft status and where you sit in the draft. So I, that's, I think there's only three teams that could have maybe done that, what you're talking about. There's a lot of former players on our air that are huge proponents of him not having an agent and saying he doesn't need an agent. I do think one thing's a little bit interesting about that. All of those guys have agents. <laughs> to ink their deals here at ESPN. Harry, I love you, but I am looking straight at you, Harry Douglas. Coming up next here on Joe and Amber. We will put some money in your pockets or we'll try to. This is ESPN Radio. This is the Joe and Amber Podcast. Joe Fortenbaugh is out tonight here on Joe and Amber. Michael Rothstein is in. 
Although Joe is out, don't fret. We will still get some help with the betting. We'll still hold up our end of the bargain here on Joe and Amber. Tonight's pizza money, it's going to sound a little bit different. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. I said that we'd bring in some outside help. We were doing just that with Anita Marks, ESPN's betting analyst. Thanks, Anita, so much for filling in here uh, when Joe is out. We appreciate you and all of the betting advice that you can bring to the table. Let's start with what's happening in live action right now. At the half, San Diego State is up on Alabama 28-23. to 23. So how would you play this second half moving forward? Yeah, listen, I, I like San Diego State coming in, getting the 7.5, right? Like, I just, you know, Alabama, I think, was going to try to uh, uptick the pace here a little bit. San Diego State, really good defense. One of the best perimeter defense um, teams in the country, holding their opponents to below 30% shooting from behind the arc. And that is Alabama's wheelhouse. That's what they love to do. So no surprise here that San Diego State is up by five at the half. Um, also, when you look at, you know, what they're able to do defensively, they've already got uh, four steals on the night. So they're being uber aggressive. They're coming out after Alabama. Alabama, as we know, the number one seed in that region. This is the kind of basketball that they had to play. So uh, right now, and I'm call- I want to call this up right now, uh, just to kind of give you an idea where it's at. So even though, how about this, Amber, even though San Diego State is up by five, you can still get them at plus two and a half right now at minus 125. So what does that mean for our listeners? You're laying $125 down to win $100. I like San Diego State. Obviously, I love them at plus seven and a half. Um, I would sit back and I would see how this, listen, Alabama's the number one seed for a reason. Probably they're going to come back in the second half. Score is going to change. Maybe at some point in time they go up. But if that line gets back up to seven and a half, I think San Diego State, I think the Aztecs are going to keep this close. So if it ever goes back up to six and a half, seven and a half, I would buy it again in regard to uh, live in-game betting. Anita, the other game going on right now, Houston up one on Miami, 23-22. That's a little past the midway point in the first half. I liked Miami a lot as a very live dog here. What you've seen so far, does that still track? Because I believe you also liked Miami going into this, correct? I did. Thank you so much for watching Daily Wager. really do appreciate it. Um, yes. Uh, listen, I have Houston coming out of this, this region. Um, I have them going to the Final Four. In some of my brackets, I have them winning. Uh, they're an excellent team, but there's something about this Canes team. And full disclosure, I had Drake upsetting them in the round of 64 in the first round. I didn't like what I saw from the University of Miami coming in. Um, they lost to Duke in the ACC Tournament Championship. Uh, they lost a few games prior to that. They were playing at home. They just didn't look good. Omir, we weren't sure whether or not he was going to be, as I like to call it, active and attractive. But, man, Omir has been a presence. Also, Wong has stepped up big time. And looking at the score right now, Wong already has eight points. Um, he's three for three and, uh, and one for one from behind the arc. So, Wong has been really unbelievable as he goes. This University of Miami team goes. One thing you hear coaches say who've coached and have this, you know, March Madness experience, uh, guard play is priceless when it comes to this tournament. And you can argue that the Miami Hurricanes have the best guard tandem or, or group um, in this tournament. So I do like Miami. I like Miami getting the seven. 
Again, I want to see right now they're still getting six and a half. I like it. I, you know, if you haven't gotten in on Miami yet, I jump on them now. I think this game is going to be close. I think this game is going to come down to the wire. And so I love Miami getting the seven. I, I would even play them at six and a half. Joe Fortenbaugh is out tonight here on Joe and Amber. Michael Rothstein is filling in, but Anita Marks is still helping us with the betting advice ESPN's betting analyst. So, Anita, we still have a couple games to tip off later tonight. Princeton, Creighton, Xavier, Texas. In those games, let's talk about the Princeton game. Do you see Princeton keeping their Cinderella run alive against Creighton tonight? I do not, and unfortunately, right, because this is what we love, right? This is why we love watching March Madness. This is what the madness is about. You know, FAU, FDU, Princeton. But unfortunately, I think they meet their match tonight. Listen, Princeton beat Arizona. They beat Missouri. But both those teams had considerable flaws. Creighton, to me, has none. They're a balanced team, great interior and perimeter defense. They force turnovers. Um, you know, they're strong in the paint. They can shoot. Beat. To me, they check so many boxes. This is why, guys, I've got Creighton coming out of that South region. I have Creighton upsetting Alabama and advancing to the Final Four, also 76% uh, from the free throw line. So I know it's a hefty number, 9.5, and, and some places now it's up to 10, but I would lay it. I think we're looking at the same situation that we saw last night with UConn. I think Creighton rolls big time. I think Princeton's going to be outmatched. Well, there you have it. Anita Marks, ESPN betting analyst. Anita, thanks so much for stopping by. You got it. Have a great night. Have a great weekend, guys. So again, right now at the half, San Diego State is up on one seed Alabama, 28 to 23. Houston is up one point over Miami in the first half, 23 to 22. We will keep you updated on all of the March Madness action. We're also going to be talking about the women's tournament, but I want to talk quickly about the women's NIT tournament, which isn't something that we've done yet before here, Michael, but something went down last night in the women's NIT tournament that was certainly outside the realm of play. Uh, a player is now being charged with assault after punching a player in the Memphis Bowling Green game in the handshake line, the post-game handshake line following Bowling Green's win over Memphis last night in the women's NIT. It's resulted of and a member of the Memphis team being charged with assault. That is according to the Bowling Green State University Police Department. Uh, it was a regular handshake line, or so it appeared, and Memphis's Jamara Schutz stopped to talk with Falcons player Alyssa Brett after a sh- very short conversation. Schutz appears in the video to throw a punch at Brett's face. Brett fell towards the scores table and onto the sideline. A couple of her teammates immediately went over to help her. Another teammate uh, of Schutz grabbed Schutz and took her away from the situation. She's now being charged, apparently, with assault. Just an ugly Ugly look, ugly situation there, Michael. Yeah, listen, we don't know what was maybe said because there, if you watch the video, which you could see on ESPN.com, uh, there definitely is some sort of verbal conversation there. We do not know what was said that led to this incident. But you also, you're if you're playing college basketball, you've been around basketball, be it AAU, be it high school ball, be it college ball for a long time, you know not to do these sorts of things. You just do like this is just not uh, you just don't do it. And and again, we don't know the circumstances surrounding it, Amber, 
But this is just something that when I watched the video, I was like, nope, can't do that. Like, it's just that simple. Uh, yeah, it is that simple. And, you know, I was telling you in our pre-show meeting before the show, it's like the nerdy lawyer in me because in law school you study these things, particularly from a civil side of things in torts class, but even from the criminal component that you have here with assault where you have a bunch of cases throughout the course of sports, throughout different sporting events all over the place with players and refs and umpires and the like suing because there's some sort of altercation. And then it comes down to, you know, whether a hit is in the court, is it assumption of the risk? Is it in the course of play? If you're trash talking a player and you're on the court and you get hit, then can you sue that player? Those sorts of things that end up being nerdy legal minutia here. It was very clearly outside of the course of play. So that, you know, you wouldn't probably anticipate having that sort of altercation in a handshake line. I don't know what was said between the teammates. Shoots leads the Tigers in scoring. She took an elbow to her face with 24 seconds left in the opening quarter. She played just eight minutes in the first half. She returned to start the second half of the game. She's a fifth-year player who finished with 13 points in her final game with the Tigers, was the second-team All-AAC selection this season. Uh, Brett, Alyssa Brett, scored 15 points in this win. So I don't know what the exchange was like between these two players, but certainly an ugly scene that nobody wants to see, and, and frankly, that there's, that there's no place for in, in a, a handshake line at a sporting event. There just isn't. No, without question, there's there's no reason to do this. Again, we don't know what has been what was said. I imagine that that will come out one way or the other at some point during the Bowling Green's investigation, and it'll go from there. One thing before we before we go to break, Amber, I, going back to what Anita had talked about earlier in the segment, because she doesn't like Princeton. I think she's dead wrong. <laughs> I think Princeton's going to upset Creighton tonight. Really, I do. Uh, Cinderella is going to keep dancing. I, I do. I, I think seed Princeton taking on 16 Creighton tonight. That tip off yeah. is at 9 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, I do. I just I think what because Princeton beat Arizona not playing their best ball. They beat Missouri and handled Missouri. Like Creighton's a good team. Don't get me wrong. But Princeton's style takes time to adjust to. And you have to play incredibly smart to beat Princeton's style and the way that they have confidence right now and they are playing, you know, we joke that this segment's pizza money. They are playing with house money. Complete house money if you are Princeton. Like this is like without question. So they have absolutely nothing to lose. Creighton's expected to win this game. I think Princeton comes in and pulls the upset. I think it's very similar to FAU last night where it's close, it's close, it's close, and then Princeton pulls away at the end. Well, and she's she was really high on Creighton because she said that yep. she has Creighton upsetting Alabama. Uh, in the next round. So she's very high on, on Creighton moving forward as a sixth seed in this tournament and finding themselves in a final four. We'll see if Michael Rothstein or if Anita Marks is right later tonight. Uh, right now, Miami is up on Houston 29 to 23 and again 28 23 in San Diego State over Alabama at the half in that game we'll continue to keep you updated on all the March Madness action coming up next the Falcons are apparently not thinking about taking a quarterback in this year's draft Michael's gonna break it down for us tell us why is this a smokescreen what's happening ESPN radio is also on the ESPN app Joe and Amber the podcast 
Michael Rothstein filling in for Joe Fortenbaugh tonight on Joe and Amber. We have been talking a lot, Michael, about these pro days and, of course, about these quarterbacks in this upcoming draft. That is where the attention always goes when we head towards a draft, particularly this year's draft, where they expect that maybe four quarterbacks will go in the top five picks. Will one of those quarterbacks be Will Levis? It's possible he had his pro day today. And what's interesting to me, first of all, Michael, because I want your opinion on this. Obviously, you cover for NFL Nation, the Falcons, so you're very tuned into the NFL. One of the things that surprised both me and Joe that we discussed yesterday was the Panthers trade up for the number one pick, right, with the Bears. They trade a bunch of draft capital away. They trade a receiver away. They get the number one pick. And you're thinking if they're doing that, they have some dude that they are zeroed in on. That is their guy. And they said they don't. They said that they're still considering their options. I didn't believe it. But then these pro days come about, and they send 11 people to C.J. Stroud's pro day. Pro day. And then they send 11 people to uh, Bryce Young's pro day. And then they fly those same people, including the owner and the general manager and the head coach, to Lexington to Will Levis's pro day. And with all three of those guys, they took all three of them out to dinner with an entire contingent of Panthers brass. It leads me to believe that this is either a heck of a smokescreen, which why do you need this smokescreen when you have the number one overall pick? Or they really aren't completely sure which one of those guys they're drafting. See, yeah, I don't really buy either one of those arguments, Amber. Okay. I don't. It's due, due, it's due due diligence because there, there's multiple factors involved. The first is I bet they have a very good idea of who they're going to take, but they want to make sure that someone doesn't wow them. It's kind of why when you have a favorite in an interview process, you still will talk to other candidates because you don't know what to expect. I mean, you go back 20 or so years – Mike Tomlin doesn't get the Steelers job if you go with who the favorite is. Mm-hmm. But Mike Tomlin went in, wowed the Steelers. Mike Tomlin's been there since. It just it, it happens. Like That's part of this. The other part of this, and if you're around the NFL for any period of time, you learn this very quickly with top 30 visits, with local pro days, and with actual pro days, is sometimes you are gathering information for the future. Now, what I mean by that is you are gathering information in that you may play this person. This person may be available in three to five years, and you want to have a base of knowledge about that player. Like I know teams that will bring in players that they think their opponents are going to draft, especially quarterbacks sometimes, because they want to start learning about them because that can provide an advantage in the future for them when they play them. So there's many reasons why to meet with a player. Do I think the Panthers have an idea of who they're going to take? Yeah. Do I think it's 100%? Locked in? No, because there's still a month plus until the draft, and you don't finalize that until a week or two beforehand. But it's very clear they're going to take a quarterback, and they probably have an idea that it's going to be this guy or between these two guys. But you want to do your due diligence on everyone, Amber. Well, these three guys are very, very different, particularly Bryce Young and Will Levis. Will Levis is imposing six foot four, 230 pounds. He hit the ceiling on one of his throws at his pro day today. That arm strength is certainly not in question. The accuracy and the rhythm is a little bit in question, and that reportedly did make an appearance at his pro day. Here is Will Levis, the NFL draft prospect, with our very own Todd McShay earlier on how he thinks his pro day went today. Went well. Yeah. Went well. It was a lot of fun to kind of have that last opportunity with with my receivers from last year uh, to just go out there and have some fun, do routes in there like, like we've done for the past year and a half. So, yeah. I mean, uh, great opportunity for them to get in front of the scouts as well. And uh, I thought I did well. It was a lot of fun. 
Who do you think is going to be the number one overall pick? <sighs> who would I take or do I think? Uh, okay, who would Michael Rothstein take? <laughs> I would take C.J. Stroud, and I've said that since the jump. I mean, he's, who, who, he's who the guy who makes that? the most sense. I think it might be Bryce Young, but it, it's, I think it ends up being Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. Anthony Richardson just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, the tools are there in terms of like you, the traits, the exciting mm-hmm. stuff, but that completion percentage and really the one year being a starter, that, that would scare me if I'm betting a number one pick as, of a franchise. C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young have a lot more experience there. I would go with one of those two. Will Levis, uh, I, I'm just not sold there either. I like the. What physical, about you? I like the physical accolades of Will Levis and Anthony Richardson. As somebody who watched AR as a Gators fan all season long, very, very closely, I'm very surprised that anybody thinks that he would be considered for the number one overall pick. But at the same time, I'm surprised he might get drafted in the top five. But this is where we are at with AR. Right. He's just not an NFL-ready quarterback. He definitely needs developing in terms of just the, the game, the accuracy, the decision-making, but Physically, there's nothing to develop. The talent is off the charts. If you just watch TikTok videos of AR, you would think he's the greatest quarterback that you've ever seen. The athleticism is absolutely unreal. So I think he could be a diamond in the rough, but it's in the rough. And I don't think that's what the Panthers are looking for. The Panthers are looking for somebody to step into that role. If I'm the Panthers, I'm taking CJ Stroud. I think that he would be the choice. But I'm hearing that there's some leanings to Bryce Young. Who knows? At this point, a lot of it, there's so much smoke, right? Tell me about the smoke coming from your Atlanta Falcons that you cover for NFL Nation because they're sitting at eight. Some people think that they could be moving on for a, from a Desmond Ritter. Could they consider taking a quarterback in this draft? I can't see. I, in the draft itself, maybe. In the draft itself, possibly, if there's a quarterback they like in the later rounds. But I, I can't see them taking a quarterback early on. They signed Taylor Heineke. He's a highly competent backup. He's a kind of break glass in case of emergency option in case Desmond Ritter doesn't work out because we've seen him win games in the NFL the last few seasons, especially in Washington. But they're going forward with Desmond Ritter. The expectation is that Desmond Ritter will be the starting quarterback. They were never in on the Lamar Jackson conversation. I know that there were rumors out there that they were. That is not true. They were not in. Why? Because, okay, so uh, really simply, there's multiple reasons. The first reason is this. They just spent two years digging out of a salary cap mess, right? They would then put themselves back in a salary cap situation if you do that. And by the way, look at all the money. They spent over $200 million, really $250 million, the first day of free agency. They're not able to bolster their defense the way that they did if they bring in Lamar Jackson. because And that all they have improved on the defense at every level, and that's what they had to do, Amber. And they feel confident in Desmond Ritter. They like what they saw out of him, and they want to give it a shot because if you bring Lamar Jackson in, that's great, but you still have no defense, and then you have to win games 45-38, and that's not happening. I think people just expected it from them because they seemed so in on the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. It seemed like Watson even wanted to go to Atlanta until he got that crazy offer from Cleveland. So people were surprised that they didn't want in on the Lamar Jackson sweepstakes. It makes a lot of sense what you're saying. And also maybe if they discovered during that interim that Desmond Ritter is the guy for them moving forward, or at least hopefully the guy for them moving forward. Coming up next here on Joe and Amber, we head back to March Madness. It is March Madness. We will get you updated on all the action. This has been the Joe and Amber podcast. You can listen to Joe and Amber live weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, or on your smart speaker. Joe and Amber, the podcast.